Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Before we talk about today's show, I would like to say thank you to all my guests who have been featured on the Gladiatrix podcast to date. I have a dream. There are 193 countries in the United Nations, and I have a dream that I can host at least one woman from every country in the world on this podcast. That is 193 countries, 193 stories, and 193 shows. So if you know of somebody who should be featured on the show, please drop me a note. I would really appreciate it. In this episode, we are speaking with State Representative Padma Kupa of District 41 from the Michigan House of Representatives. She is the first Indian immigrant and Hindu in the Michigan legislature. Padma was born in India, but she grew up both in India and in the United States. She talks about her struggles as she saddled two identities, her passion for education and her life of service. This is her story. Hey, Padma, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really, really excited to have you here because I know there are a lot of young women, well, not young, but young and old, or um, uh, women in general who are really, really looking forward to listening to your story. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you so much for having me, Malini, especially since we've known each other for so long. It's nice to be able to actually talk about what got me here and, you know, to, to share it with, share the story with you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, so, uh, because I, I know, I know a lot of we all know where you are today, but I really did want to bring out the story of, you know, where you, where you were and how you came to be, just so that they can understand the the journey that you've taken, and that you know there are other women who I'm sure could um, be really inspired by this. So you were not born in the U.S., but you no. did come here for your education. So um, you want to give us a little quick background about uh, you know. Uh, sure. Sure. So actually, uh, my story starts with education, but not mine, my parents' education. So my father is a, an English major, and he came to the United States in 1969 to pursue graduate school here as an English major. He had uh, been studying at Antar University and had been teaching in Mysore and in Hyderabad and other places, Bitspilani. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I followed him a year later. Mm-hmm. And we lived in Stony Brook, a university town in New York. Mm-hmm. I started kindergarten. I didn't actually know a lot of English when I came here because we lived in Mysore. I knew Kannada. I knew Telugu, my mother tongue. Mm-hmm. I even knew a little bit of Hindi. Mm-hmm. Not that much English. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had done LKG in Bilai, which was a city that I was born in. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the joke goes that I always said, Miss, Miss Multut, mm-hmm. because Miss was the way you address the teacher 
mullu is the Telugu word for the pencil, mm-hmm. you know, nib, mm-hmm. and toot is the Hindi word for broken. So, it's, right. so, so that's how confused I was language-wise when I came here. Um, and then I started kindergarten, and my best friend was a young little blonde girl that whose grandparents would take me out to spaghetti for dinner mm-hmm. to an Italian restaurant for, and and um, you know, I learned how to 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 navigate not only the English language, um, but also being American, mm-hmm. you know, um, and my mom went to graduate school, got her PhD, and I saw her do that and, and be very strong because she, she had grown up in a very sheltered family. She got married when she was 18, had me when she was 19. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the base at home was that they, my parents both volunteered mm-hmm. um, in different things. My father actually used to go to PTA meetings back then in the 70s. You can wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I learned volunteering from them and my mom would take me with her when she had to do, um, science experiments as part of her grad school work. She would go to, to do science stuff with, um, in local elementary schools and, 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 sh- um, we were not that involved in the Indian community. The landscape there was most Indians did their graduate work and then went on and became, you know, middle class with a white picket fence kind of, but my parents stayed in the graduate kind of school environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in MIT, uh, lived, lived in Boston for a couple of years, lived in the Washington DC suburbs for a year mm-hmm. as my mom did her postdoc and my father figured out where he wanted to live because he mm-hmm. was kind of a writer and creative. And so finally in 2000, in 1981, mm-hmm. we moved back to India. Mm-hmm. I was at the end of 10th grade and I did not want to go. Oh, I can imagine. Um, and they refused to take a green card. Many of their peers were doing that because they were also trying to figure out how to navigate with their children. And so they took citizenship or green cards and they moved back. And my father said, I am a Bharatiya. I will not become an American. And Mm -hmm. my brother was born in this country and it would have been, you know, like a snap of the fingers. They could have gotten their, their green card. But then Mm -hmm. my father said, we would have to come back Mm -hmm. and I want to make it work in India. And if Mm -hmm. we have this lifeline to come back, we're not going to make it work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he and my mom joined institutions, educational and research institutions in India. He's he at Osmania University, my mother at CCMB Center for Cellular and Molecular Biology. Mm-hmm. And I joined Stanley Girls Junior College in Hyderabad. Mm-hmm. And people made fun of me for my accent, so I quickly figured out how to have an Indian accent. Right, right. Um, I saw my brother start school. I tried to get into engineering, into one of the IITs. I took those very famous Agarwal training and mm-hmm. couldn't get in because, you know, the system here was so different from the system in India. Right. And many of my parents' friends who had tried, they came back actually because their kids couldn't um, navigate the Indian system. And so mm-hmm. um, I did. And not only did I get in on the second round, I got into I, uh, NIT, what mm-hmm. is now known as NIT, RAC Varangal. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of my first year, I went from um, – being, you know, in chemical engineering, because that was all I could do, because India has these limits right. on non-resident Indians can't get into every, so you were sort of, you had to live in India for seven years before you were considered. So I, I couldn't, even though I had a very high rank in the entrance exam into the engineering programs, um, I was like down at the bottom. Right. Because and of the uh, of the quota, and you can only do so much if you're a non-resident. And, right. right. And I was a girl. Back in those days, they didn't have quotas for girls the way they do today. Okay. Um, and so I got into chemical, but I did really well in my first year, and I was able to transfer my, my branch, as it were. 
um, as a, and then the principal asked me, can you do mechanical? I wanted to do mechanical. Uh-huh. And he said, can you do mechanical? You know? And I said, well, there are guys who are shorter than me. Like, can you do the forging <laughs> workshop? And he said, of course. I said, I could do, you know, if people mm-hmm. who are smaller size than me can do it, of course I can do it. And so, so, so when you, when, when you started engineering college, uh, how many, you, you said you joined the chemical engineering, how many? Yeah. So they, what they did was in REC Varangal in 1984, they separated us into, uh, four different batches, section mm-hmm. A, section B, section C, section D. All the girls were put in the same section. Oh, nine how many, them. how many are we talking? We, I know it was like, what, nine. Three, wow. Out of a class of what? 250. 250? Mm-hmm. Wow. Nine girls. Nine girls. And you were and the only one in chemical or they put everybody in? Well, it didn't make, it, make a difference because all of us in first year, we all took the same class. Oh, same class. Okay. Right. Same okay. subjects. And so I discovered that I liked mechanical engineering. And so when I had the opportunity to transfer, because if you got to, and he's like, you can do electronics. And I was like, no, no, mm-hmm. I like mechanical because I can see. Mm-hmm. Right. I can ex- make things that I can build. I liked engines. I liked mm-hmm. the idea of engines. And mm-hmm. so I became the first woman to pursue mechanical engineering in the history of Varangal. Wow. And did, so did all the nine graduate from college? You know how mm-hmm. we all graduated. Com- yeah. Okay. yeah Cause you know how it is, is like you start you engineering college just so that like, Oh, my daughter's doing engineering so that she can get married. And then she drops out in the middle. Yeah. Of it. We even have a WhatsApp group. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's awesome. Was he yeah, so keep yeah. in touch? Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I, I had some challenges. I was uh, kind of struggling with my identity. They used to call me casual American teenager and make meow meow sounds when I walked by. Oh, um, that's so mean. It was, it was kind of interesting. Um, I quickly learned how to wear saris because I realized that a sari is a sign of, like, it just, it's a sign of maturity, I think. And, and right. um, I, I wore saris. And, and so classmates um, were very kind. Um, my own batch, we were mm-hmm. 63 in mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. And I would say my batch um, was very kind to me because there would be sometimes things scribbled on the board or on my drawing board. And, you know, they would erase it before I got in sometimes because they saw how much it hurt me when people wrote nasty stuff on the board. Oh. Um, and I had a few close friends. Um, but I also uh, yeah, had my bad experiences there and, and did some crazy things. And we're all young only once. Right. And so. Um, but I knew that I needed to come back to the United States. So, so, I so now, now in, 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 um, in India, I know engineering is five years. Is it the mm-hmm. same over here? Cause here it's four years, right? In, in, in India, it was four years at that time. 84 oh, to 88. Okay. Um, okay. So, so when you, was, yeah. so when you were, uh, doing your, uh, so you, when you moved to mechanical, how many, were you the only girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So out of 63, you were the only girl mm-hmm. in mechanical. Yeah. And the professor, some of them would make me come sit up in the front, but I didn't want to because sometimes the, the guys would throw chalk at me in the first year and in, in, in the first year of mechanical. So first right. year was the nine girls. Second right. year was the first time I was the only girl in the whole classroom. Okay. And so I tried to sit in the back, but right. some of the professors were boring. Um, you didn't want to see them do- see you doodling on your <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, you learn very quickly to survive. Actually, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think people realize. I will hear this. Of course, now there are lots of rules about hazing and stuff like that. But the adjustment is 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 quite traumatic sometimes. It was. It was. I was. I was. Would say that emotionally, I was mm-hmm. um, very. Um, I struggled, mm-hmm. and so I knew though that I had to come back to the United States that I had to figure out who I was and where I fit in and that the way I would do that would be to come back to the United States. Um, mm-hmm. because I didn't feel wholly Indian. Mm-hmm. 
But mm-hmm. I did learn something in India. And that is something that I think REC was very special. Mm-hmm. Um, students come, 50% of the students in any REC at that time came from within the state that it was in. Mm-hmm. So it came at the time it was Andhra Pradesh. It came, you know, 50% of the students were from within Andhra. And then 50% of the students were from outside, from all states and countries. We had a Malaysian, we had a, a Palestinian, we mm-hmm. had um, one of my classmates, uh, Amrita was from, um, Amrita Das, Bengali, was from Andaman Nicobar Islands. Wow. Um, I, had, I didn't even know physically, like I knew that they were islands, but right. where? And so learning about them and then uh, classmates from Nepal and and, you know, all different parts of India. I had a, uh, people tease me and rag me. And, and so I learned quickly how to rag mm-hmm. people myself when mm-hmm. freshman girls came into right. the door. The first question I would ask them is, name the four South Indian states and their four capitals. Mm-hmm. Because I realized that a lot of people in India, you know, you're all a Madrasi if you're from yes, the South. Anything so. south of Mumbai, anything south of Bombay is considered. Right. So that, and if they couldn't answer the four states and the four capitals, I would make them do, you know, the, we call them in Telugu Gunji. Mm-hmm. You do the squats kind yeah, of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was my punishment um, <laughs> that if you didn't know them. Um, I talked to everybody. I even talked to the Nuxalite uh, mm-hmm. student leaders. Um, mm-hmm. There was a student leader who is a Nuxalite. I talked to her as well. And so I got questioned by the police when one of the police people was murdered. Wow. Like, why did you talk to her? Mm-hmm. So I had some really interesting experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, to REC, REC is a regional engineering college, right? Is that regional what it was? engineering college of Arangal. There were okay. 15 of them at the time. Okay. And I learned, my roommate was Catholic. Mm-hmm. My first taste of wine was wine that her mother made mm-hmm. um, that she brought back home after the, the break, one holiday break. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, um, we had, you know, lots of interesting experiences. They would lock us into our dorm, the girls' dorm, <gasps> during Holi because all the guys would have a little bit more uh, – fun I guess and, and yeah, yeah. we get inebriated so the best way to keep the girls safe is to lock them in the dorm oh so I thought that was fascinating um <laughs> not really but, <laughs> but I also learned how to get along with people of different backgrounds yeah and that you can find common ground and you can enjoy each other's company you may not all you know there's always the the fun camaraderie and, and rivalry between the different branches the different mm-hmm. batches mm-hmm. So were you from the 88 batch or the 86 batch or whatever and you would nurture the freshmen. I had a couple of freshmen I was close to. One of them is now like a big leader in TCS. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I had some good experiences of pluralism in the Indian setting, right? My dad's, uh, one of my very close uh, friends when I was doing my plus two at Stanley Girls, was Stanley Girls Junior College was um, my dad's colleague's daughter. And mm-hmm. you know, she would invite me over during Eid. I would invite her over for my Bommal Kolubu. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just kind of it's like backyards with no fences in between. Right. Where it didn't matter what religion or what linguistic background or, you know, what kind of socioeconomic strata you, you got together. My mm-hmm. roommate in college, one of them was from a, a, a small village near Tenali, which is where my father grew up. Mm-hmm. And her parents, uh, her parents had given her up to adoption to her uncle. Mm-hmm. And he was an MLA. Uh, wow. and, and her parents had a lot of money. So she, you know, she lived well mm-hmm. for a young village mm-hmm. um, but but they were shocked that I would go visit them in the village I was a city girl and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever and it was just you know being able to make those kinds and then have my roommates come home right um, eat my mom's you know traditional South Indian upma and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's really good experiences of of the pluralism inherent in India 
Right, right. Because it almost it's like, like you said, it's like every state is almost like a different country because of different language, different clothes, different food, you know. Um, in, and yeah, yeah, Shanta was really special because you know, you'd always go to the temple before the exam to, to mm-hmm. pray or whatever. Well, we would go to church together first because she mm-hmm. went to church, mm-hmm. and I would know the Latin because I'd studied Latin in, in school in the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. And so I used to enjoy going to hear the Latin and, and the smell of the frankincense and myrrh in the Catholic church there. Mm-hmm. And then we would go to the temple and sometimes I wouldn't know because I hadn't grown up with a temple in the mm-hmm. United States, right? I mean, the temples weren't built until the late seventies. Right. And so she would like have some idea of like what I should do when I went into the temple. <laughs> and, and then I also got to see some of the famous temples. There's the Mahankali temple, there's the Ramapa temple and, the Thousand Pillar Temple in mm-hmm. Rarangal that are very famous. And so mm-hmm. visiting those, um, visiting temples with my grandmother, mm-hmm. both my grandmothers, especially my mom's mom was very pious and very interested in, in visiting. So I became her sort of, um, you know, the young person in charge mm-hmm. of going with her so that she mm-hmm. wouldn't be you know, by herself. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was, and learning how to cook from my grandma, my mother's mm-hmm. mother uh, mm-hmm. during the holidays. Getting acquainted with family, the extended family. My mom comes from a large family of siblings and nieces and nephews and all of that. And then I came back. I came back home because to me, America was home. Mm. So you, did you finish engineering and then come? Okay. Yeah. I came back with a foreign student visa mm-hmm. to study in New York. Okay. First, I went to New York Institute of Technology to the computer science. And from there, I moved to Stony Brook where my mom had gotten her PhD and my dad had done his master's in philosophy and did, had done postdoctoral work under... Mm-hmm. Uh, Pulitzer Prize winners and stuff like that, where my dad had introduced me actually to um, Alan Ginsberg, the beatnik mm-hmm. poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so I went back to Stony Brook and I was in grad school there. And then I got a job that sponsored me for my green card, first my H-1 and then my green card. So you and, pretty much went through the immigrant process, mm-hmm. you know, just like Very all much. of us do, you know, come as students and then go for your master, you come as master for your master's yeah. degree. Yeah, and it's interesting because most people, their husband goes through it and they right. their husband. I actually, my husband was in school when I was working and then he got his H1 um, and then I got my green card and he got his green card with me. Ah, okay. So you guys met at, you met at work? We met actually, no, we met through family friends. So one of my parents um, had a common connection with his parents and okay. this man uh, played matchmaker basically. He's like, okay. Oh, you have a daughter, they have a son, you guys should meet. So my parents okay. met my in-laws, um, made that formal traditional, mm-hmm. we would like our daughter to meet mm-hmm. your son kind of thing. And, but we met here in the United States at his aunt's house okay, in Connecticut. Okay. And, and then we got engaged a few months later and we got married the following year. So you didn't have any issues with that? I mean, considering that you spent so much of your time in the U.S., you didn't have any issues with the, the whole arranged marriage thing? Because yeah. I know a lot of the kids now, it's like, what? No, I'm going to find my own kind of thing. So, no. so you know, uh, so I have a friend here in, in Troy. Her name mm-hmm. is Pam. Pam and Reed, um, they were set up by their moms who were teachers. Okay. And so I think a lot of the time we see this arranged marriage process, especially from a second generation or someone who grows up here, they don't necessarily see it as our parents have our best interests at heart. Right. And they're trying to match us with someone who has similar interests, similar Mm. um, background. And for me, one of the biggest things was food. Mm. And I knew that I needed to marry someone who ate my comfort foods. Okay. I'm vegetarian. Yeah. And so while I, I didn't think too much of it, I would meet them just because my parents suggested it and I didn't think it was going to click. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I did it more out of filial obligation. Right, right. Okay. Um, but two of my girlfriends, one was from Montreal, one was from Long Island and, and was going through a divorce. Um, she'd moved back home to do her master's and live with her mom with her daughter. And they both yelled at me. They're like, your parents are doing this because they have your best interests. I was like, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And so when I called my husband, he had no idea who I was. <laughs> to explain like I'm calling because we have this common family friend that my parents went to your parents house with and Mm -hmm. and they want us to meet and uh, here (laughs) um and so then he called me back when he got his letter I always say that my parents were more worried because they wanted to get me off their hands Uh um because you know that is sort of the Indian way right like right not quite you know um happy until your daughter right. is settled. Yes, of course. Can attest to that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, you know, these two girlfriends both kind of like spooled me to call him and then I called him. He was, he was nice. I had just had to explain everything. Mm-hmm. And then he called me back and then mm-hmm. that was nice. And he actually like listened and he was not judgmental and he understood how hard it must have been for me to move back to India mm-hmm. at the age of 15 after living here for 11 years. Mm-hmm. And then his aunt called me. Okay. His aunt and I found common connections from when I was growing up. She lived in Connecticut. Um, and then she and I hit it off. And so she's like, why don't you come up here? Mm-hmm. He's going to come here in May. Um, and you guys can meet here. And I mm-hmm. had family friends who lived in Connecticut. So I went to stay with them and then drove over to his aunt's house. And we met. And, we, you know, mm-hmm. and there you so, go. Uh, so we've Say that again? We've been married more than 28 years. Congratulations! Thank you. So, um, so you came to do, uh, so you came to do your master's in mechanical, and he was mm-hmm. also, uh, he was also doing his master's. So in- when I was working, I was on my H one in the process of getting sponsored, and he had come to do his master's after working in India for a few years. Ah, so that's okay. how the ages worked out. He had worked in India for four years before coming here. Ah, okay. So, but he was like born, brought up in India. And- yeah, in Hyderabad. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. He's a Hyderabad okay. born and bred. Um, okay. He was born actually in, in Andhrabad. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, so you guys met over here and got married. But when you were working, you were working, still working in New York, right? Yeah. And he, he started out working actually in New Jersey. Then he moved to New York. And then his job, we had, at that time, we had two kids. And mm-hmm. his job had offered him the opportunity to move to Michigan. Oh, okay. Um, he was making airbags, mm-hmm. uh, passenger safety restraint systems. And I was working on a university campus, I was doing all the systems integration work. Okay. So my master's work had been in design and um, I came um, to Michigan and I wasn't really ready to move mm. because I had a lot of family and friends across mm. the Northeast. Right. And one of the things that struck me was that I could get a great job and I loved those engines and I looked up at the Chrysler building and I was like, I want to work there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the realtor took us around and so we looked at housing and we realized that we could actually afford a house on one salary. We didn't have to spend. Right. You know, Northeast is very expensive. So yeah. The Midwest both is. Of us could get, yeah. Both of us could get jobs. And so we came here and then, you know, I started volunteering. I first started volunteering in the Parthia Temple. Mm-hmm. And I started volunteering in uh, the, my daughter's school, in her elementary school when she first started kindergarten. My neighbor and I both went into the PTA gung-ho to help and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then um, I was working at the time and then I had some health issues and I realized that just childcare wasn't working. I didn't have like Elizabeth Warren. I didn't have an aunt B that came in and moved in with me uh-huh. um, to help me so that my career could flourish. My mom right. was 
was taking care of her career and my brother who was Mm -hmm. in high school at the time. Right. Um, And so she didn't have the time to come help me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had health issues and, you know, it just, it wasn't working. So I quit my job for a few years and tried to do some things on my own, work for a small business. Mm -hmm. And then eventually as the kids got older, I got back into the corporate life and got a job at Chrysler Mm -hmm. and worked at Chrysler as a contractor. Then I got, I got laid off during the recession in 2008. But I kept volunteering. And one of the things that I volunteered in, in 2002, after the schools and the the temple, Mm -hmm. I volunteered in the city Mm -hmm. with an organization known as the Ethnic Issues Advisory Board. Because after 9-11, I recognized that there was a difference in the way that people saw me when I moved to Michigan. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as welcoming as as New York was to immigrants. Mm -hmm. Um, We kind of siloed ourselves. You know, Mm -hmm. you could walk into different neighborhoods in Troy and you could say, ah, this is a Desi subdivision. Like mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of Desis living in this. I didn't live in one of those. I mm-hmm. lived in that first starter home that we had bought right. when we moved. Mm-hmm. There weren't that many Indians in the subdivision. Mm-hmm. Uh, there weren't many people in the PTA that were, that looked like me. And they would ask me, why don't more of your people come? Mm-hmm. And so I would try to pull other Indian Americans and other immigrant groups mm-hmm. to see the work that I was doing. And I would volunteer with this ethnic issues advisory board to engage you know, East Asians and, and mm-hmm. South Asians and Romanians and Chaldeans and mm-hmm. um, did a lot of inclusion work as a result of that. The Troy School District actually created an award because I did a lot of try to educate um, the teachers about immigrant backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And, take them on. and I started an interfaith organization, which um, Harvard teaches about that interfaith organization. Last night, we just had a, a Thanksgiving event. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Zoom virtually with, um, you know, the mayor who's, um, you know, standard Republican fair and, and um, you know, just the fact that it doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, right. uh, Hindu, Christian, Muslim, this is a place that we can all feel safe. Right. And that our city is a welcoming city. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I first came, you know, as a student, I remember Thanksgiving is such a, that's when you really miss home. Because everybody mm-hmm. goes back home to their families and you're like, you're a foreign student, you don't know anybody. You can't even get like, the, you know, at that time, you didn't even get the Indian groceries unless you mm-hmm. knew where to go and how to get it. And you don't have, the, you know, any of the stuff. And they would have Thanksgiving dinner. I, I remember it was usually a church or, a, um, uh, you know, an organization that would kind of, you would say grace and you know, they would talk about what Thanksgiving is about. And that was very different. But we appreciated the fact that, you know, that at least they included you. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like all the fates or anything, but it was like, okay, if you don't, if you don't have a place to go, you know, you can come. And I remember feeling how uh, you felt a little welcomed because they were like, okay, at least they're not abandoning you. It's like, we don't know who you are. And you don't need to come. It's like, if you're by yourself, make sure you come down and, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. you could get food, free food <laughs> at that time and your students. That was awesome. Exactly. exactly. So um, I did these things. I did a lot of volunteering in the community. So I had like the nine to five shift and then I had the five to nine shift. Mm -hmm. Right. And so kids would ask me, mom, can you stay home for a couple of nights this semester (laughs) this year um, for dinner? So just like wolfing down my food and leaving. And so, but I really wanted to make a society where they would thrive, where they were not the outsiders or the other, right? Mm -hmm. The other with a capital O. And so I did a lot of work to make sure that we were represented as Hindus, that this Mm -hmm. was not a, a heathen religion where you need right. to people, but a religion that was respected, mm-hmm. because it, you know, it 
has values just like every other faith that we serve other people mm-hmm. that we care for those in need that we protect the vulnerable and mm-hmm. so people would say to me oh you should run for something like, i don't want politics mm-hmm. right and um then i in 2014 there was a vacancy on city council mm-hmm. so i applied for that vacancy it was an application process mm-hmm. and interviewed by city council members mm-hmm. and so i didn't get selected mm-hmm. And it was very obvious that it was because I you didn't look them. like them. Um, it was very split. Mm-hmm. Um, there were three and three, three, mm-hmm. four, me, three against me. And then they ended up picking a, another white male. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the compromise candidate. Anyway, and so then the vacancy was uh, there on planning commission. Mm-hmm. And so then I became a planning commissioner. I was appointed to planning commission by the mayor. Mm-hmm. And I loved planning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was fun. I, I took training. I took two days off, three days off of work, went and got training to become a certified citizen planner, took the mm-hmm. classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was, it was really good. And during that time, again, the idea had come up that actually Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman mm-hmm. Tlaib in 2013 had said to me, you should run for office. You should run for state rep because you care so much about education. You'd be a great advocate mm-hmm. for your community, for public education. Mm-hmm. And was she also it. was she also not at the time so both of you ran at the same time? No, Rashida was uh Congressman Talib at the time was okay. at the end of her for her third term as a state representative. Oh, okay. So she already had some experience. Okay. Yeah, and so she was encouraging me and to run because at the time Stephanie Chang, who mm-hmm. is the daughter of immigrants mm-hmm. from Taiwan, mm-hmm. um, she and I, t- Stephanie and I, were friends mm-hmm. at the time. In 2006, we'd worked on some things together again to bring the immigrant communities into the mainstream process. You mm-hmm. Learn about who's on the ballot, not just president, but like mm-hmm. what right. are the ballot initiatives? Why right. are you? You know, I used to go to Lansing to advocate on education funding because every year they would cut. Mm-hmm. Over the last 25 years, they've just cut, cut, cut edu- public education funding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, education cuts don't heal. Right. You want your economy strong, you need an educated workforce. Mm-hmm. You want people to be able to pursue, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. You need to have an education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so education is something that nobody can take away from you once you have it. Right. Right. And, and so for, for as, a, as a person who had seen how expensive and inaccessible to the average person education is in India. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing how education had brought me here, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to advocate for K to 12 education because that's the building block. And that from there you can build other things and you mm-hmm. can go into a career directly into, you know, or you can go directly into like into the military or into the whatever service field. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you can also get a college degree and become a lawyer or a doctor, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and whatever it is. But K to 12 was so important to me. And so I used to go to Lansing, take time off of work. Because mm-hmm. when you're a contractor, you don't go to work. You don't do this. You get paid. You don't get paid. So I took, um, I took that into planning commission and, and all those things and understandings and you know, being on planning commission, being involved in these things. And when Stephanie ran, I didn't run. And Stephanie tried to get me to run again. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2016. And I was like, no, 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 no. My son was in high school. I was just trying to make sure that both kids were sort of established. Mm-hmm. Um, daughter had uh, graduated high school and was in college. Mm-hmm. I was just still a little nervous. Financially, could I afford it? Because I knew that it would require that I quit my job. So in, in 2017, when I saw Betsy DeVos, mm-hmm. um, 
becoming the secretary of education. I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. Do I, do I go deeper into faith? Because I could see that people were so divided. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so went to seminary actually twice. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that year I decided that I would run for office. And so set it up so that the family was comfortable with how I did it and financially that we were prepared that I knew that I need to quit my job to run, took classes on how to run, Mm -hmm. um, uh, from different organizations and and got training and got support from organizations like Emily's List. Mm-hmm. Um, stands for Early Money is Like Yeast. Mm-hmm. Helps the dough rise because you need money to run a political campaign. Okay. Um, I had a one hour conversation with Sam Singh, mm-hmm. the first Indian immigrant in the son of Indian, first Indian American in the state legislature. Okay. Um, his parents immigrated and they lived in, he grew up in Livonia, mm-hmm. moved to Okemos after he graduated college and, you know, worked on different things. And, and then he ran for state rep and was the Democratic leader mm-hmm. in 2017, 2018. Okay. And then my friend, Christine Gregg, who I met at an interfaith event from Farmington Hills, mm-hmm. um, she's financially, you know, wrote me a couple of checks and, and from her PAC, P- Political Action Committee. Mm-hmm. Just like every job, even the political space has acronyms. Right. Um, and so I started asking people for money. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with my brother mm-hmm. and my cousins mm-hmm. and everybody understood that this is what I had always been serving the public. And so this was now to pr- pursue a career in public service. Mm. Was it was it hard to make that transition? I mean, you know, you, uh, well, after doing all that training, it's like, oh, you got to ask people for money because without money, you can't really you can't really succeed. Yeah, and I think that it was also explaining to people why I need the money. Why do you need money to run for office? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. You just knock on doors and you ask people for their vote, but you also need to have literature. You mm-hmm. also need to hire someone to know which doors to go to. Just because there's, you know, 100,000 houses doesn't mean you go to every single one of them. There may be people who don't vote. Right. There may be people who bring a gun to the door when you right. come. Right, right. Um, don't, go to, don't go to those houses because it's risk to your life. I mm-hmm. mean, the data may still be wrong and you may mm-hmm. still end up at a door where somebody's very hostile. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea was to use data analytics, to use digital media, to use... Um, all of that stuff. So, so yeah, so I raised the money and I explained to people what the money was for. And, you know, I was very fortunate. I think people knew who I was. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of people that came out not only to give me money, but also to give me a lot of their time and energy. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it wasn't just me going door to door. It was also volunteers going door to door. Right. Um, I was a Girl Scout leader when my daughter was in kindergarten. I Daisy Troop. And Mm -hmm. One of um, the friends I had, um, she and I were co-leaders. Not only did she go door to door on my behalf, mm-hmm. her daughter went door to door. Can you imagine a twenty-something, twenty-four-year-old, right. twenty-two-year-old girl going, woman going to the door and saying, "I'm here at your door because I know Miss Padma and she was my Girl Scout leader." Mm-hmm. Like, how convincing is that, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, Mary Hazebrook, who was a principal yep, of my daughter's I know. middle mm-hmm. school, yeah. um, made phone calls for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just the number of people. Robin Beltramini, who is a mayor pro tem of Troy, mm-hmm. um, gave me an endorsement. Mm-hmm. Um, so did Ellen Hoderek, who is a city councilwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, city council is nonpartisan. And mm-hmm. so people don't always say what party they belong to and they don't commit. And, and to have these nonpartisan women, mm-hmm. independents, that... Mm-hmm. Uh, supported me and even my predecessor mm-hmm. 
you know, was advising me in the background. He's like, don't worry, I'll vote for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't endorse you because I'm a Republican, but here are the mm-hmm. things that you should be doing. Ah, that's, that's really awesome. That, yeah. that just talks about the support, you know, in the community. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. And so I flipped the seat. I, I took it to a Democratic seat, uh, line of the side of the aisle. And mm-hmm. um, I've had a rough time in the legislature because the first thing they told me is, well, you took a seat away from a Republican. They're never going to give you a bill. Mm-hmm. But I've been trying, especially during COVID, to provide the best services, right. to provide a window into mm-hmm. what government is like. What, what does government do and how can I help you? Now, I did see your email because when I sent you the email and I got the response and that was really, that was really helpful. I had no idea that you could do so much, you know, yeah. like you have the, even if it is just to talk to somebody to say, Hey, you know, this is what I need and what do I do? I had no idea. Yeah. So thank you. So thank welcome. you for what you're doing. Um, and so we try both on the, the legislative side, if we get phone calls or emails Mm-hmm. to respond in a timely way. Sometimes it's harder because some weeks we get more than others. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a personal issue in my own life um, mm-hmm. that maybe I don't respond right away. Uh, maybe the re- research that we need to do takes extra time. Right. Um, because I'm not an expert. All I right. am is I'm a representative. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like playing whack-a-mole now that I'm in office. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that have been eaten away, not just public education. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of uh, colleagues who are teachers or educators or principals. Mm -hmm. They really know firsthand, but I'm an engineer. So I know some of the challenges and opportunities that we have. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing some research and connecting with people on how do we build better? How do we make local sourcing important? Because that not only helps build our economy, but it also helps local sourcing will help us with our carbon footprint in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, it will grow the economy by educating people for the kinds of jobs that we have to have green energy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that I, I can think of that, you know, I have insight into as an engineer, as a person who worked in the auto industry. So mm-hmm. um, I think I'm one of the few that not only is an engineer and, and worked in the auto in- industry, but is in the legislature. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, reaching out to you know, as a parent of a Spartan, you know, mm-hmm. we have the best uh, supply chain management oh, yes. uh, in department the country. Of, in the country. And so right. I reached out to them recently. I said, hey, what can we do? And they're like, funny that you should ask because <laughs> guess who else has asked? Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin. Mm-hmm. And so they said, why don't you get together with her? Because we gave her some feedback. So then this weekend, I wrote an email to my former campaign manager who now works for Congresswoman Slotkin mm-hmm. and said, Hey, can you help me get a meeting with the Congresswoman? Cause she and I seem to be asking the same questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so let's, let's put our heads together and see what we can do. Mm. And she comes from a policy background, obviously foreign policy right. and worked for the state department and the CIA. And, mm-hmm. But you know, always having those connections and the yes. relationships. Yes. Um, so yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been fun. Um, it's also been challenging as a minority mm-hmm. Democrat being in the minority. And it's funny when I say minority, people say, oh, do you mean because you're Indian? And I'm like, no, it's because I'm a Democrat. And we're only 52 of us in the legislature out of 110. Mm-hmm. 58 are Republicans. And mm-hmm. so while we have a governor who is on my team, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, we're all on Team Michigan. But at right. the same time, how we get there and how we help the people mm-hmm. can be a little different. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't think we should privatize public education. So I mm-hmm. think that uh, philosophically I have a difference with my Republican friends. Ah, okay. Um, 
but I think that we could find common ground. I mean, we may not agree on hot button issues, mm-hmm. but I think that we all want to reduce the number of people that die because of needless gun violence. Right. How do we get there? Mm-hmm. We all want to reduce, um, you know, abortion is an invasive procedure, but we all want to provide health care to women so that we don't have the worst maternal mortality rate of any developed nation. So what are we doing to help women, mm-hmm. to help family? Um, in India, I think the phrase was family planning. Right. What can we do to provide better access to family planning for people? Mm-hmm. So um, as being part of a, you know, being the state representative, what has been the most surprising thing that you did not expect, good or bad? I didn't realize the impact of um, money and term limits. Oh, okay. Um, I thought that, yeah, you get money from donors. I didn't realize they can hold you hostage. Ooh, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fortunate that I had over 3,500, nearly 3,600 donors in this campaign mm-hmm. that we just ended which means that I have a lot of people who understand the values that I espouse okay, and that they support the values mm-hmm. that every child is deserving of an opportunity and an education, mm-hmm. that everybody should not have to pay an arm and a leg for mm-hmm. a medical bill and go bankrupt, mm-hmm. right? That we should mm-hmm. have affordable quality health care, that we should have prescription drugs that are not challenging us between paying for our month's supply of insulin or our groceries right. or our rent. Right. Um, to me, I have donors who understand that. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that in my, the Republican side of the aisle, that's the way they think. In fact, I know for a fact mm-hmm. that Patty Poppy, the former head of consumers, she just uh, resigned last week to go to PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually came to the, I sit on the energy committee. Mm-hmm. I serve on the energy committee this term. Okay. And she came to them and she said, I did not believe in climate crisis, but today I do. Hmm. And, you know, basically address the Republicans Mm -hmm. because many of them don't believe that climate change can be impacted by our policy and our behavior as humans. And so making science-based decisions, wearing masks because it's, you know, it's become a partisan thing. It's become a, a political thing. And then truly wearing a mask is scientific yeah it's, it's like common lessons. sense it should be common sense but right. yeah and so knowing that my donors are like on this this issue they are not dumb mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that they they understand science and protect people because government's responsibility is public safety and welfare right right and so what are we doing to ensure public safety and welfare as, as people in government, as people elected to office who represent? Mm-hmm. And if people have questions about the, the, the elections or why I think masks, I mm-hmm. refer them to the experts. I am not a medical professional. Right. I'm not an epidemiologist. But there are many, many across the country, mm-hmm. independents, Republicans, Democrats, who agree that wearing a mask is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Washing your hands with soap mm-hmm. is the right thing to do. Right. Um, social distancing yeah. so that you don't spread your germs. These are you know, no nonsense, no. Yeah. It's like mom kind of rules, you know, it's like, wash your hands, <laughs> you know, right. make sure you, you know, this is basic stuff, but I guess uh, it, it's, it's sad that it's coming to a political thing. That yeah. and, uh, so that donors, donors, not understanding that. 
Right. It's really difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then term limits. I, I knew that there were term limits. I knew that this journey into the political arena was uh, limited by at least this posi- particular position. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only serve three terms in the state house. Okay. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go in. We're going to talk about public education. There's a lot of business leaders that are also on my side. Bus- business leaders tend to be leaning Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a study that was done called Fund My Schools mm-hmm. that launched a, a group of business leaders to start something across the spectrum. They had stakeholders, mm-hmm. the teachers' unions, the educators, administrators, business leaders called Launch Michigan. Mm-hmm. LaunchMichigan.org if anybody wants to listen. And so they talk about fixing public education. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is not doing well in the state of Michigan. Not every child is getting equal access to opportunities. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, this is what I'm going to do. The business leaders are behind it. I have corporate experience. I can bring in corporate leaders and we can make changes that mm-hmm. are for the better. Well, we haven't done that. We've been in divided government with the governor and the legislature and the legislature not only aiding these people that come in, but having conversations with them, the mm-hmm. ones who plot, plotted to, to not only shoot up the chamber, but also mm-hmm. shoot police and kidnap mm-hmm. the governor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. I think term limits doesn't allow us to build relationships. Mm. Um, it doesn't allow us to learn more about the job itself. Okay. Um, as a project manager on different projects, I understand you've got a deadline, you've got a certain right. number of months that you finish it. I get it. So I understand working against deadlines. So that's kind of what I'm doing and working against deadlines. So, so what is your, um, so, I mean, knowing that you have a term limit, and you know, uh, but you and 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 you're working really, really hard to uh, represent the people and give them what they um, what they need. And there are a lot of I, I know there are a lot of young people looking at you and following you, and they want to, you know, be like you and say, you know, how could we be like um, be like you? So I mean, I know a lot of women are you know women of color because you represent a lot of us. We're so proud of what you're doing because you're like, wow. We have, we have a face there, you know, we have a body there that looks like us and thinks like us and is looking out for us. So in, in taking all that in consideration, what are, you, what are you planning to do in the future? Are you going to? No, no. I mean, I have a post, potentially one more term. We do have districts that are being redrawn this year. So okay. hopefully I'll have the same district. And if I not, not, I have to figure out how to appeal to the voters of whatever district um, this Troy that I live in. Okay. Um, but I, I would say that you know, the, my mom said, wait until the next election, decide what you do next. You never know. Something else will open know. up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. All the good work yeah. that you're doing will, something will pop up, I'm sure. In fact, my dad said last night, you know, being in public service, being in politics is not the only way to serve the public. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but I do have two more years at the Voters of Troy and Clausen sent me back to Lansing to represent them. Mm-hmm. I'm honored. And I will work my darndest to serve them well. And then we'll see what happens in 2022. Yep. We'll, we'll see what happens. So now um, uh, I know there are a lot of young women and well, young people, because you know, you, your son's in, he's at James Madison. Um, and my son also graduated from uh, school policy. Um, and they're watching you and following you and want to be like you. And so what, what, uh, what is the top three, piece of advice that you would want to give somebody who wants to go into public service or should I say politics? 
Yeah. So I would say first thing that my son actually doesn't have a, a lot of interest in what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but that's true of most young men. They don't care about what their moms are doing. I no, think. no. Um, but I think that um, the number one thing I would say is no matter what age you are, mm-hmm. help your community thrive. Get involved. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is that you like. You, want, you care about the environment. Do what Greta is doing. You don't have to be the next Greta Thunberg. You can be you know, the next Malini Sharma, the next Sri Rag. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just have to find your passion, mm-hmm. but not just as a, as a career, but also as a service. So even if you don't get paid for doing something, do it, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's helping out at a soup kitchen and then you'll find your way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a need. Try to fill that need. And if, if that leads you to run for office, great. But I, you know, I was talking to uh, a woman who works for the state of Michigan named Fairuz Saad. Fairuz is, is the daughter of immigrants mm-hmm. um, from the Middle East. She mm-hmm. ran for Congress. She worked for the mayor of Detroit. Mm-hmm. She now works for the state of Michigan as the director of Global Michigan. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that helped Michigan survive with the population fall because so many Michigan youth take their education and leave. Mm-hmm. One of the great things that we've had is a lot of immigrants come into Michigan that helps sustain our economy. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that we talk about is, you know, it's not always about running for office. Mm-hmm. It might be learning about a particular field within policy. We need criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. We need policy that will support um, green new jobs, right? Mm-hmm. New green and economy jobs. We need policy that will support investment in infrastructure mm-hmm. um, and how do you develop mass transit in the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel that people miss local politics. Volunteer for a city or school um, board. You know, mm-hmm. maybe your kids are young. Volunteer not only just in your child's classroom or the particular area like a girl set, but volunteer for the school at large. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I used to run um, the, the picnic and carnival mm-hmm. for Hill Elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with the two music directors um, at the International Academy where my kids went to school, high school, mm-hmm. started the Music Parent Association because I saw when my daughter was in marching band at Athens, mm-hmm. I saw that they got to go on trips around the state and around the country mm-hmm. and that the IA students couldn't. The mm-hmm. International Academy East students uh, were limited. So when mm-hmm. my son was a senior, we finally did our first trip and we went to New Orleans mm-hmm. um, with the band and orchestra. and and so that those things, just do those things. And that's to me is the first way to get involved and help mm-hmm. the community thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get involved, run for council, run for school board. We now have um, in Troy, we have an Indian American um, engineer like me. She is on school board. She just got elected this past November awesome. in, um, in Canton they elected a township supervisor who was my colleague at Chrysler and my friend in interfaith activism, Mm -hmm. um, who is now the township supervisor. And along with her, she has a slate of candidates, which includes uh, an immigrant from who's Bengali Mm -hmm. of Indian origin in a city like Canton, where there's so many immigrants um, to finally have people of color on their township trustees. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, just getting involved at the local level because local politics is not partisan. I think it's really, really fun Mm -hmm. um, to be involved as a planning commissioner. I enjoyed the work I did. Um, When I stepped down, 
the person that got appointed was a friend of mine um, named Sadiq Rahman. He's from Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. He's an engineer, mechanical engineer, just like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, immigrated and was working in Chrysler. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, I recommended him to apply. And lo and behold, he's now serving his third year on planning commission. That's awesome. And, you know, just understanding that there are ways to, and it takes, you know, being on planning commission takes maybe 15 hours, 10 hours of your month. Mm-hmm. Not that much. Right. In the whole scheme of things. And right. I think it's important that our voices and our perspectives are included. Um, there are boards and commissions at the state level mm-hmm. that people can apply for. Mm-hmm. Um, if you write to, if you go to koopa.housedems.com, um, you'll find I, I have a monthly newsletter. Okay. And so I'll include information in that on things that you can do to get involved. Um, you can follow me on social media. Awesome. Um, both on Facebook and, and, and on, um, on Twitter and Instagram. And so, you know, try to provide information. Learn how government works, mm-hmm. whether it's your city um, or your state. We're so attracted to what goes on at the national level. Right. But I really think the best place to start is local. All politics is local. Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, thank you, Padma. This was really, really good to hear you and uh, hear more about how you started and where you are today. And um, the very best of luck for the future. I'm sure the citizens of Troy and Clawson will vote you back in because I know you're doing a fabulous job. Thank you. And I will be talking to you soon. Thank you so much, Melanie. It's glad to be on your podcast um, and have a great day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.